It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. What's up? Yeah, that's right. Jeff Passan came out late last night with some ideas, possibilities of MLB and MLBPA having an agreement on doing something late May, but we'll see. I'll get into that in just a bit. And Larry Boa, 50 years to the day, made his major league debut with the Philadelphia Phillies. He'll be joining me next right here on Pine Tar for Breakfast. In the air to left field. Going back on it. It is gone! Kevin Franzen sends everybody home. Ball there coming, coming down. down. What up? And welcome to another episode of Pine Tar for Breakfast. I'm your host, Kevin Franzen. And last night, Jeff Passan of ESPN came out with, I don't know, it's either a great idea or the actual truth of it being a possible, a very possible agreement between MLB and MLBPA to go along with the health organizations and government and everyone talking about possibilities of starting something up in late May all in Arizona now. With that being said, there's a lot of things that are going to go on. Isolation, biodome. Um, there's 10 spring training sites. There's one Major League Baseball facility, as in Chase Center or Chase Field. I, I apologize. And for me, I look at this and I go, okay, there's there's some ideas there. But, I mean, if we're going to go months and months and months with these players without their families, Whoa. I mean, we have expanded rosters because there's going to be no minor league system, but that's not really the big deal right there. It's You're having expanded rosters based on the fact that who knows if someone tests positive. You can isolate them and just bring in someone else. So I think there's a lot of logistics here um, that we're going to be talking about. I, umpires, um, you know, electronic strike zone, one of those things. I mean, who knows? We'll get into that a little bit. Because I'm going to bring on someone 50 years to the day making his major league debut and basically 50 years of major league baseball in general in his life, Larry Boa. Bo, what's up, my man? What's up, Kev? You know, I, I look back at that and uh, my very first game coming from spring training, it was at Connie Mack Stadium mm-hmm. and I was getting ready to go, th- you know, into the clubhouse and there was a guard there and he asked for ID and I said, I'm the shortstop for the Phillies. He goes, yeah, right. I mean, I was like 155 pounds. So I had to pull out my wallet and everything. But that stands out in my mind more than anything that I had trouble getting into the ballpark. But oh. uh, looking back on it, that first day and then 50 years in the, in the big leagues um, in some capacity is unbelievable because I never got drafted. I didn't play high school. And, you know, it's almost like, Somebody was taking care of me upstairs, and, uh, you know, I appreciate everything that's happened. Well, I, I think it's crazy. You bring up the, the story of, you know, the, the security guard and, and all that stuff. 
Uh, I was with Linscombe when he came up, made his debut against the Phillies. Um, right. And I was I was ahead of him walking in from the parking lot because he was kind of taking his time coming in. And the guys stopped him. They had no idea. They're like, and they thought he would, they literally thought he was the bat boy. And everyone, it sounds so cliche. But it was I like, know. no, it, look, that's the beauty of baseball players. Because yeah, you don't have because, to be huge. Right. These guards think, I mean, the, the, the security guards think you have to be 6'2", yeah. weigh 220 <laughs> pounds. I was about, now that you brought up uh, Linsicum's name, that's the size I was when I first <laughs> came up. So uh, I'm pretty skinny and pretty small. But, uh, you know, that against all odds and everything worked out okay. What drove you? Like in in all honesty, because of not playing high school ball, Sac City, growing up in Sacramento, what drove you? I think my dad, but my dad never forced me. He was always there for me. Uh Like he played professional baseball. He got his highest triple A, then he managed for a while. And he kept telling me, it doesn't matter how big you are. You know, there's, there's a place on a baseball team for big guys, for little guys, be able to do fundamental stuff, move runners, hit and run, steal bases. And it was constantly when we went out and worked out and everything, he would always tell me, remember, do the little things. You're not a home run hitter. You're never going to hit home runs. And I think that drove me. And, of course, not making your team in high school, that was like a little incentive for me. Like, are you really serious that I couldn't play high school baseball because of my size? And then to have the junior college coach where there was a summer league going on in Sacramento, he saw me playing. He says, I'd like you to come out for my team. And I – his name was Dell Bandy, and I said, hey, Dell, I said, I, I didn't make my high school team. I'm going to make the junior college. He said, just come on out, and we'll see what happens. And I went out, and I played well, and played two years there and made all conference, and then Eddie Bachman signed me. I, I didn't get drafted, but he signed me, and uh, the rest basically uh, fell into place for me. It's amazing if you ever uh, – I, I know you know based on you know playing there, but at Sac City, the amount of – major league players that came from there is tremendous kev it was like a hotbed there for a (laughs) while i mean i'm talking about that for 10 years and i think one of the reasons not only was the weather good there but we literally in the winter time the winter wasn't that bad and we had a winter league that we played every saturday and sunday even after we signed like uh the minor league guys that played uh, during the summer they came home and there was a winter league in sacramento and they used to get like 1500 2000 people at Land Park to watch those winter league games. I mean, it was a hotbed. Now, when I go home now and, and visit my sister and everything, I go by Land Park where we played those games. It's like a ghost town. <laughs> I mean, nobody, nobody's playing no. baseball. It's well, unbelievable. Okay, so if I were to say, so you played 2,247 games in the big leagues. Right. Uh, who would you think was number two on that list from Sac City? Wow. Uh <laughs> yeah, you got me there, man. Uh, okay, because it's it, no, Boney didn't go to Sac City. Uh, nope. But you have. I'll give you. I'll give you a, a choice between three guys. You have okay. uh, Buck Martinez, right? Greg Vaughn, Jeff right. Blauser. I gotta say Vaughn. Ooh, nice. You're right. Was was it? Okay. Yeah, and then it went Jeff Blauser, Fernando right. Vina. Buck Martinez was number five on that yeah, list. Buck, Buck was. He was a pretty high pick too. Yeah. Uh, when he got drafted, I love I love going out, you know, seeing what people do from their colleges and, and around, and just sometimes you click on you know, on Baseball Reference the school, and then it goes to all these guys, and you're going, dang, he went there, like that. I know, I know. You know, you know the big the big thing about when we were, we were growing up, you know, we we didn't have like we go 
in Lad Park, we, there was all kinds of baseball diamonds there. So you have to get there early to get a diamond. So we might only have five or six guys playing. So we'd have a pitcher, a hitter, a shortstop, a left fielder. And there wouldn't be nobody on the right side or anything. So if you hit the ball to the right side, it was considered an out. I love that. And, and, and so we used to make these games up. Yeah. And and, and I, I'm thinking to myself now because uh, I got a call from uh, Marty Malloy. He was our minor league infield guy. And he says, what do you think these guys should be doing now? And I said, you know what, Marty, there's all kinds of stuff you can do. You go to a high school because there's no school and there's a wall there. You get a hard ball. You're all by yourself. You throw it off the wall. You catch the ball. You gather yourself, as you well know, and throw the ball. And then you get a batting tee if you want and hit hit balls into the, the wall. Or if you want to put a sheet up in your garage and just pound the ball into the sheet. There's so many things that you can do to keep somewhat sharp. Obviously, it's not game speed. But mm-hmm. it seems like this generation, it, as long as you document everything, okay, at 11 o'clock, we're going to do this. 11.20, we're going to do this. They got to go outside the box right now because nobody knows when this is going to start up again, and nobody knows how long a uh, 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 spring training is going to last once it does start up. See, I I love the idea of thinking outside the box, thinking what you have around the house to be able to do stuff. Uh, right. We, I mean, even if you think about the social distancing, if you have family around or whatever, like for kids, take a tennis ball. Take exactly. one of the walls outside and have, you know, your mom or dad or brother or sister stand six feet behind you and right. fire a ball off the wall, and then you react. Right. And exactly. it, be, it it helps with your feet. It helps with your eyes. I mean, there's so many it, things. It, I, I love it that. A simp- it's a simple drill. Yes. And then you can do one where, obviously, we're keeping our distance, so you get your partner, whether it's your brother, your mom, your dad, with a tennis ball, like you said, and you do pickups, and you go one way to oh. the right, 20 feet, then – and I'm going to tell you something. You want to talk about a good cardio oh. and your legs start burning? I was about to say, I can just feel it right now. <laughs> I know. It's it's great. And, and we did we started incorporating that to some of the minor league kids before we had to break break because of the virus and everything. These guys could not believe the burn that they were getting. I said, you got to be kidding me that you've yeah. never, ever done this. But, again, it's it's – we call it old school stuff, but it's conditioning. That's yeah. all it is. It's about conditioning. Well, Sam Perro, he was my college baseball coach, and uh, you know, legendary in in, in Northern California. Uh, he was a big infield guy, and I mean, we're talking. We were top five in the NCAA every year in, in fielding percentage, and and the way we did things. And we started every day out with pickups, with short op drills, and then we moved on. But we right. it, every day was fundamentally started the same way. And you know what? Right now, this is the time that you could do all that stuff. If you're a little league dad, high school dad, college dad, you know, whatever player, it doesn't matter. Just do those. Get See, better I, at those. I, I agree with that. And, and and as you well know, you've, you've been in baseball a long time. I think there's so much emphasis put on offense now that the little things, that running the bases, that moving a runner uh, – uh, executing a bunt play they're overlooked now because we are uh, let's face it guys are getting paid for hitting home mm-hmm. runs and driving in runs but if you analyze the final two teams that are standing at the end of the year they're able to do those things like well, i watched washington last year mm-hmm. they literally were sacrificed bunting they were hitting and running they were stealing bases they went back to old school style of baseball and it paid off and i really believe that if you can catch the ball and pitch you're going to win a lot of baseball games uh, during the course of the season. Oh, of course. I mean, the, the fact that so many teams lose games based on the defensive part, right, or or a right. base running uh, gaff. I mean, it, it, it's amazing. See, and and I've 
we talk all the time in the office during the season, and, and the one question I've held off until right now, do you think the bunt, okay, this is the sound, I hope people understand this is going to sound outside the box. Do you think the bunt is going to end up being one of the bigger plays in future years? And the reason why I say it is because no one's going to know how to defend it because it's used so little. <laughs> it, 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 no one's going to know how to defend it. No one's going to be able to do it because, <laughs> as you well know, if you practice bunting, it's the easiest fundamental to do in baseball. Yep. If you don't practice, it's the hardest. How many times, and I'm sure you've done it on the radio, where a guy's up and it's a perfect bunt situation and your stats will say, this guy hasn't butted since he played eight ball uh, seven years ago, so I don't think he's going to be putting the bunt on here. And yep. again, it's a matter of practicing it and incorporating it into your game plan. And I believe that we should do that in the minor leagues because we don't know how this game's going to yeah. evolve. Is it going to be home runs for the rest of the time baseball's in existence? I got a feeling it's going to revert back, and you're going to see. I like the combination of mm-hmm. it. I'm not telling no. Bryce Harper to bunt in the seventh inning. That's completely off the off the. There's no way that's going to happen. But there's certain guys. That's their game. That's what they have to do to stay in the big leagues, and hopefully that'll get back to where it should be. Yeah, it, it's it's not the you know go away from the analytics. That's not going to go away. We understand that. No. And it, it's like the analytic people need to understand. You don't don't roll your eyes on the bunt. Right. But there's so many things that get involved. It's not a, and I feel like there's so many times that we talk about it uh, in the old school players, the new generation players, and they roll their eyes because why? They think we're talking about it all the time. It's like, exactly. no, it's a part of the game, a piece, a part. It's a part where you can actually change a game. You could change your season by executing one thing, and then a, a yeah. big thing happens, and then yep. you start to roll. Yeah, you, you some, you've seen it. I saw in the World Series. I saw Washington play for one run. They end up getting four. Yep. They laid down a bunt, and and, and then the roof caved in on, on Houston, and they end up getting four runs. And I, I really believe in my heart that if we would emphasize this a little bit more, and I'm not, and I'm trust me, like I said, I don't want the big boys bunt. I don't want Real Muto. I don't want Harper. But there's some guys that can lay down a bunt. Kingry should be able to bunt anytime he wants. Segura should be able to bunt. You know, th- those guys, uh, Quinn, those guys, those are big plays. And how many times in the last five or six years do you see a wild card getting in by winning it by one game? Mm-hmm. That game might be in April. It might be in July. It might be in September. But if you can win that one game, who knows, that could uh, catapult you into the playoffs. And we all know wild cards are very successful in the playoffs. They go on and win a World Series. So just little things like that enable you to win a game and maybe get you into the playoffs. And, again, it's not to talk negative on the thing, but, like, the reason why, in my mind, they didn't win more than four games at at any point in time last year, the Phillies, was they got themselves into a a, a spot where they could, you know, lay down a bunt to get, you know, something started in, in game five. Right. And yet they're playing for the big inning and doing this yeah. stuff without thinking about just getting that first run. <laughs> right, well, you know, I talked to some of the analytics in spring training because there's there's a, there's some really good kids absolutely down there to do, and, and they're very knowledgeable. And I sat down with him one day and I asked about hitting and running. And he goes, "The reason you don't see hitting and running because there's so many swings and misses." And I said, "Do you think a baseball player?" And I'm going to ask you this question because you played, you were a good hitter. When a hit and run was on, didn't you wait a little bit longer mm-hmm. and let the ball travel a little bit? I think if you incorporate a hit and run with some guys that strike out 160 times at 
should be only striking out maybe 50 or 60. It's going to make them concentrate a little bit more. It's going to make them see the ball a little bit longer. It's going to change their approach a little bit because they know they got to put it in play. The guys, the manager's staying away from a double play or trying to open up holes for you. And, and when I asked him that, he looked at me and he went, yeah, there's merit to that. I mean, <laughs> they were open to it, but the, their philosophy is if you take a look at all the swings and misses, all you're doing is running into outs there. So, you know, that's why if you don't do it, you don't know what the, how the guy's going to respond to it. He might want to choke up a little bit or spread out a little bit on a hit and run just to put it in play. Well, that's the thing. Is it? I, I think the big thing is being able to choke up en- uh, enough. I mean, you, you right. And, and not to be able to set off the alarm to everyone else, right? I mean, right, right. Because you know, you do it too much. Everyone says, "Well, something's on here." Just like you get a guy at first base, he, he's got a regular six foot lead or seven foot lead, and all of a sudden he goes out yep. a little farther. Well, you know something's on, either a steal or a hit. Something's on, and uh, like you said, that you don't want to give everything away. Yeah, and and I look at it like, look, it <laughs> like the bunt. Every once in a while, just doing it can ignite right. that guy in an exactly. individual because he mentally, it's not well, about the homer. It's about sometimes you're over, you're over fifteen, and you need something to change. <laughs> yep. I, I, like I was talking to Quinny in spring training, and I said, you know, if you just lay down a bunt or even fake it every now and then, what it does is bring people in, and now say you get jammed or something and you trickle a ball through the infield, and with your speed, you know, he's got game-changing speed. Mm-hmm. In two pitches, you could be on third base, or for mm-hmm. sure you're going to be on second base. But like you said, this game's so mental. And how many times you were 0 for 13 or 0 for 14? A lot. I need a hit. I need a hit. <laughs> Somewhere i got to get a hit. He laid down a bunt or chop a ball off the plate, and all of a sudden you say, okay, I got it. I got my hit. Now you go off on a, on a tangent, and you go uh, maybe 10 for 18, and all of a sudden you forget about that 0 for 13. But little things like that mentally keep you out of long slumps. And if you can be able to handle the bat a little bit, then for sure you're going to get, uh, you know, keep your mind straight and, and, and not go into those prolonged slumps. You know, I took a lineup card up about four years ago to home plate in spring training. And an umpire asked me, he says, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah. And he says, why wasn't there any, like, shifts when you played? And I said, I'm going to be honest with you, because Clemente and Banks and Stargell and Parker, they had back control where if they saw holes like that, they would hit a ball over yeah. there. They were that they were that uh, athletically uh, with the bat. They could handle the bat. And I really believe that if you ask guys to do this, like Harper asked me one day, he says, Hey, do you think it's bad if we're down four runs and lay down? I said, to lead off an inning, I think it's great. You know, you want to get base runners. But I think little things like that, and I try to incorporate in the minor leagues to tell the guys the last round, no matter who you are, if you're a right-handed hitter, you hit everything in the right field. Mm-hmm. If you're a left-handed hitter, you hit everything in the left field. And some of these guys that are hitting third in the lineup in the minor leagues, maybe they're hitting seventh or eighth, and they come up and they got a shift on. Hit a ball the other way. Get used to doing it. Well, that, that was a big thing for, uh, you know, playing in the Angels organization in 2010 and then going up to the big leagues. Uh, it, they treated everyone like they were a six, seven, eight, nine hole hitter. Right. Because you had to prove to them in general that you're not going to go up and just be a three guy. Right. You're not going to go up and be the leadoff. It, it just doesn't right. happen unless you're a Mike Trout, right? I mean, like right. there's, there's certain things that you had to check. Uh, yep. as far as those boxes. And I feel like the number one box to check is what I learned from Tim Flannery back in 2007. 
Uh, and it sounds so weird, but the greatest score, the greatest coach on any field is the scoreboard. That'll tell exactly. you and dictate everything. No question. No. And if you ask guys now, especially young kids coming up, you play the game by the scoreboard. They look at you like you're crazy. You know, <laughs> I mean, like, uh, you know, you're down seven runs and, and, and you're in the eighth inning and you swing at the first pitch. You know, I said, what are you doing? We need base runners. Why don't you guys try to get on base? Now you get a couple guys on a guy, it's a home run. Okay, now you're back in the ball game. Yep. But they look at you like you got seven heads when you say play the scoreboard. Uh, and it, it is true. No matter you go back as far as when Ty Cobb played to when baseball is today, play the scoreboard. And, and you, you very seldom get in trouble if you play the scoreboard. No, and they don't understand that like down seven runs, hitting a solo home run doesn't really well, do anything for momentum. Big, big deal. Yeah. 7-1. You're yeah. still down. You but. Know? What's weird is a three-run home run, and it only cuts it down to four. That changes a lot. The mentality by guys no question. on the other side. I, I always go to the defensive side. I'm like, oh, S. You know what I mean? Like you're thinking that, yeah. you know, and you're going, uh-oh. Right. That's not good. <laughs> no, I know. It just little things like that can change the momentum of a baseball game. And 7 nothing. You in, in your own mind, you're saying, oh, God, let's, let's get this game. <laughs> now all of a sudden it's 7-4, and you go, hey, wait a minute. We got a chance of coming back and winning this game, but that's again, it's the mentality of individuals. Uh, and and I know, coaching with you and and uh, when you were with the Phillies, the mentality was you're never out of a game till mm -hmm. the twenty seventh out's made. Mm -hmm. That's what the mentality should be with these guys. But play it the right way. That's all. No doubt. All right. So uh, the main point of today, uh, April seventh, two thousand and twenty, is because it is fifty years to the day that you made your major right. league debut. Uh, you made it against the Chicago Cubs, who you would later on be traded to um, right. before you well even knew that. Uh, right. So I got to ask a few questions. Okay. How many people were in the stands that day, do you remember, at Connie Mack oh, Stadium? man. <sighs> <laughs> well, put it this way. I thought there was a million because I'd never played, you know, in the big thing. <laughs> I'd have to say, I want to say 25 to 30. Okay, you had 15,000 there that night or that day. Okay. Um, but I, I I find that to be just irrelevant. I just I just think it's fun just to see, like, how much you remember yeah. of, like, the actual yeah. – what was the crowd like? like? 100,000. That's awesome. <laughs> well, no, it's true, though. Going from really nothing to that, it's really, like, I played the wow. minor leagues three years in Sacramento. I've never been out of – you know, before I went to Spartanburg, South Carolina, I really never went – flew anywhere or anything, so – but uh, – yeah, it felt like there were a lot of people. I do remember who pitched. Okay. Jenkins. Okay, that's what I was that's the next question. Yep. Like who was I pitching? That. Like, yeah, I had no chance. I mean sliders, backdoor <laughs> sliders. I went over three, I think. And uh You did get a walk. We won two to nothing. I think we won that game two to nothing. You did? Yeah. You did. And, and do you I remember who Chris, pitched for you? I th was it Chris Short? Dang. That's really I mean, that's good. Okay, so who hit that's behind you? Do you remember the the two hole hitter? Denny Denny Doyle. My God, your memory's amazing. Fifty <laughs> no, years I ago, that first that first game, man, was was. I mean, that was like I was on cloud nine. I was standing on the lines and they're playing the anthem. I'm thinking back to not playing high school, coming from Sacramento, uh, 155 pounds, soaking wet, <laughs> and I'm looking over there and I see Billy Williams and Ron Santo and Kessinger. And Becker and I'm going, man, this is unbelievable. <laughs> what could you go back? Like, cause you're you get put in the leadoff spot, and right. you're facing Fergie Jenkins. This is now he's coming off his third straight 21 season. 
in Wrigley, which is unreal <laughs> to do that. He ended up having five, five in a row, right? I mean, he right. ends up having a, right. a lot more 21 seasons, but right. five in a row, and this right. is the fourth year of it, uh, knowing who he is already. Because right. I, I think of my major league debut, I faced Miguel Batista, and I'm going, who the hell is this guy? Like, I know he's been right. in the big leagues, but you're facing Fergie Jenkins. Right. Like, right. that's – and and the thing that impressed me more than anything was his. I mean, he was a great pitcher. He had every pitch. He had an unbelievable slider, good fastball, but he could put a ball wherever he wanted to. <laughs> I mean, that's the first thing I realized. I went, "Whoa!" <laughs> painting stuff away, and then then he, you know, they they used to read swings pretty good. Those guys, especially the Hall of Fame guys, and then they see you diving a little bit, then they'll run something inside, and uh, it was just unbelievable watching this guy pitch and the fact that. He was the first guy I faced in the big leagues. Is that that I will never forget that. So, I gotta ask though, and let's see how good your memory is on this. What do you think the time of game was that day? With those two guys, <laughs> I gotta say uh, two hours and ten minutes. I, I mean that's that's well played two two oh seven. So I'm gonna give you that. Wow. Uh, that I was like, okay, when you have they a two got nothing game, it. yeah. They just got it and went. Chris Short yep. goes. Yep. CG gave up five hits. I think he struck out three. Right. Uh, Fergie Jenkins seven innings, eight hits, right. only struck out three. Right. <laughs> I, I just there's certain things about you know going back on on games, especially for for yourself. Number one, Baseball Reference having all the details and everything about the the game, right? The play by play. Uh, right. You popped out the short in your first at bat. Were you just excited that you just got oh, bat on the ball? I just wanted to put it in play. Oh, there's no question. <laughs> <laughs> I say whatever you do, don't 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 lug it back. You know, but uh, Larry Shank got, made a great comment to me. Uh, he sent me uh, an email and he says, "Do you know your very first game in the minor leagues? Uh, you struck out uh, four times against, uh, and you went 0 for four. And your very first game in the big leagues, you struck out, I think, once. But you went 0 for 3, so you went 0 for 7 with five strikeouts. And then he said both those guys were in the Hall of Fame. It was Nolan Ryan and Fergie Jenkins. So that, wow. that, that made me feel a little bit better that I, you know, able to do that against those guys. Yeah, well, okay, so that that's the thing is that um, I, I go back and I go, okay, the next day I got Brandon Webb. If I would have had Brandon Webb first day, I think I would have been way better off. Well, I, I had Ken Holtzman, and yep. I said I wish he'd pissed. Nothing against Kenny Holtzman, because I, but I was I just learned how to switch hit. Yeah. And I was originally a right-hander, and I said it'd been nice if I could have hit right-handed in my very first game. <laughs> so I got my first hit the next day against Holtzman. Second at bat, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I bring that up because I went three for four in my first game. The next That's day, having good. Brandon Webb. I mean, it just it, it humbled you like no other. <laughs> well, that's the nasty. That was a bowling ball sinker that you had, you had to face there. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was incredible. What? Okay, so the other thing I, I I always ask people about debuts. Do you ever remember? Like, do you remember? Like ever the how cold it was, how warm it was. You know, that day, April seventh, probably was cold. But I no one ever talks cold. about that. I know. I would think it was cold because, uh, you know, even even the the the, the teams that well, the year before I played in Eugene, Oregon, which was cold in in April, and then the year before that I was in Reading, which was cold. So, 
But you know what? And you well know this. I don't mind cold as long as it's not windy. Yeah. And I felt like it. I was when they were. I was standing on the lines for the anthem. I felt like it, I was in Hawaii. I, I was sweating, and I felt really good. And I, I didn't even care about how cold it was. It was just the idea of being in a big league uniform at Connie Mack Stadium was was enough for me to get going. I mean, and what's incredible too is, did you have the fro? No, I did not have the fro. That was it was all the no, beginning that, of that, the lips. Yeah, that came in the early I say 74, 75. Uh, I mean, it's a good start cuz I mean, that's when you started going to the All-Star games. So, oh, I know. fro All-Star I know. games. I know. You know the other thing, <laughs> the other thing I was thinking about the you know when you got a lot of free time, which I do, and I you looking up stuff, I said I got I got to play the last year that that Connie Mack Stadium was in. I got to play the first year at the vet, get the first hit at the vet. I managed the last year at the vet, and I managed the first year at Citizens Bank Park, and I managed the first year at the new spring training site in oh uh, Clearwater. So I had a whole lot of that stuff, and I'm going, man, I had to be around a long time to do all that stuff. So <laughs> yeah, okay. So now we're gonna we're just talking about you because uh, what's amazing is uh, you go over and you look at you know some of the things that we've talked about in the past and, and how young players don't know anything really about history of the game. They really don't. Right. Right. Uh, I, I think because we didn't have the social media aspect, we weren't, you know, didn't have a million things going on in our lives. I grew up right. watching baseball. I knew everything right. that was going on. And so 2,191 hits, right? Right. Uh, I wonder how many guys would know that. Probably not a lot. No, um, no. But the thing is that that I, I wonder, and and because I know you're not an individual, you're not someone that looks at your stats and goes, "Oh man, I was so good." Right? Are you pissed today that we have the same amount of homers? Number one, and number two, <laughs> you ended at ninety nine triples. I know it. Yeah, and you know what? My last hit was a double. It was oh, with the Mets. You should have just down the left field line. It was off a left hander. And if I I didn't know that, if I'd have known I had 99, <laughs> I might have been banged at third by 20 feet because I would have kept going, believe me. But oh. that, that, I, I looked at that and I went, 99, God. My, and I remembered my last hit was a double. It was off a left-handed pitcher at, at Shea Stadium. And it was down the corner. And I'm not saying I would have made it, but if I had known it was 99, I guarantee I would have tried. That is so awesome. That, that that is awesome. Well, I, I I think it's like there's certain things I go back in my career and I'm like, okay, well, I wish I would have done this. Wish I would have done that. Right. You, I mean, you you're, you're talking about getting your hundredth triple. I was like looking for my hundredth hit. <laughs> you know what? I, I I say this to kids because they ask me, is there anything you would have done different? The only thing I wish because I I really envy guys that can hit them in the seats. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's absolutely that's like when I watch Harper hit and, and I see these bombs. I said, man, that'd have been nice just to do that a couple times or ten times a year. That's the only thing really that I that if I look back on everything else, honestly, I did. I I mean, I played a lot. I, I made All Star teams. I hit three hundred. I I won Gold Gloves. I, I everything I wanted to do, I did and. You know, to look back on that, uh, would I like to hit more home runs? No question about that. But again, you know, no, as Charlie Manuel used to say, know thyself. No, and, know uh, thyself. Exactly. And so you know you're who you are and what you do and what you bring to the ball club every day, and that's what you try to do. Well, I, I mean, again, I, this is 
it's fun to go back on on stats and look at it okay this is nothing against you but it says right. everything about you right you finished third in the mvp race in... i did that was unbelievable with, with stargill and garvey yeah and yeah. i was gonna say look you you have those two guys that are ahead of right. you right that's in 1978 right dave parker dave parker steve garvey Reggie Smith and Jack Clark are right behind you, followed by teammate Greg Luzinski. Right. So here's the OPSs. 979, 852, 689, 942, 895, 906. Right. And what that tells Dude, you that is, is awesome. I did a lot of I did a lot of things to help us win. Yep. And I and love then, it. And you know what? And that that to me was with the exception of winning the World Series, when I look at who I was a, who I was behind in that and who was behind me that told me that the voters at that time respected the game a little bit and said hey you know what he might have been the little guy on that team but he made a lot of things happen and to get rewarded for something like that coming in third is something like that. that's a miracle uh, also you think you think okay so that's let me let me even go further with this uh Dave Parker had 21 first place votes right how many first place votes does Steve Garvey have? I gotta think he had more. Steve Garvey had zero first place votes. He didn't. Oh wow. Larry Boa is the only one to have a first place vote that was not named Dave Parker. Oh, I didn't know that. How awesome that. is that? That is really awesome. <laughs> There's twenty four <laughs> votes in the whole thing. Twenty one, twenty one wow. first place votes were Dave Parker. The rest, the three others, were to you. Right. Wow. That, I mean, because to me, look, I, I I find tremendous value in the, the total baseball player. And like you said, the voters had the respect to be able to right. say that, right, and talk about right. that. Right. Uh, I, I just I, – I am baffled by it because I just love people recognizing winning players. And to be third in that list with three homers on the year, right. I know. that's awesome. That it was, and, and you know, the thing about it was, you know, obviously we know the game has evolved in a different direction, but the players today are getting paid to hit home runs, and, and uh, uh, their on-base percentage is very important. Whereas back when we played, it was, can you move runners? Can you mm -hmm. go first to third? Can you score from first on a double? Can you lay down a sacrifice bunt? Can you steal a base? Those were things that general managers looked at then. As, and they didn't want eight guys to be like singles hitters, but they no. needed one or two yeah. guys in a lineup that could do those things. And now it seems like the lineups are are structured where even your eight hitter is going to hit 15 home runs, which is, you know, absurd, really, if you think about it. But the, obviously the smaller parks have a lot to do with it. But the, the, the way the lineups were constructed back then were completely different than right now. I wonder if that the last year that you played with the Mets um... – <clears throat> There were, there ends up being what four four guys that would have been major league ma managers that were on that team. You, Ray Knight, uh, Ron Gardenhire, right, and Clint Hurdle, Clint Hurdle, yeah, uh, and, and Davey Johnson there was a manager. That's right. And then there's yep. Wally Backman who would have been a manager. Been. Yep. Isn't that crazy? Yep. Like that. It is. That's the other one. I was like, oh my god. I know it. I know. And then then we had. Uh, uh, in Sacramento, Eddie Bachman signed three guys, mm -hmm. Boone, Buck Martinez, and me, and we all got big league jobs that same year as managers. Wow. So, I mean, that was 
And, and you know, the, the thing about the New York Met thing is they, they brought me over uh, uh, from Chicago. It was for the last month. You know, I tried yeah. to put another player on. And, you know, I was playing like a utility t- uh, position. And at the end of the year, they asked me if I'd like to come back the next year. And I went, no, I said, I know that I, there's plays now that I'm not making. <laughs> and I didn't want, I was never a utility player. Uh, I was always an everyday player. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to my very first year when Bob Skinner was a manager. I had actually made the team in 1969. And he called me in his office and he said, you've made this team, but you're going to be a utility player or you can go to Eugene, Oregon and learn how to switch it mm-hmm. and be an everyday shortstop. I said, I want, I want to play every day. Mm-hmm. And I, and I look back at that. I must have been stupid not to take that <laughs> big league job in 69, but who knows how it would have turned out. Maybe, maybe by me going down and learning how to switch hit and everything, this was, this was the game plan from the man upstairs and it turned out good. Cause God knows if I'd have stayed there and been a utility player, I might not have played in the big leagues two or three years. Yeah. Well, I mean, I end up being a utility guy, but I mean, it was and it's at, a hard job at, at the <laughs> beginning. Uh, you know, I, I rushed through the minor leagues. I was up in, in a year and a half from being drafted in the 12th round. Uh, I played every day. Right. I get to the big leagues, and it's you're you're going to play sporadically, and it's tough. Oh, like, that, for a young you, guy? That's, the hardest, that's the hardest job in baseball. And then now, especially now in the National League, if you have a good bench of, like, veterans that know how to hit and everything. I remember when you were with the Phillies, and um, Rhino was a manager <laughs> – and he goes, you got to watch that, Kev. He says, I said, what do you mean? He says, because, you know, I saw you in spring training, how gung-ho you were. And he goes, I'm telling you, the third inning, he's going to have a helmet on. I said, get out of here. <laughs> sure enough, the third inning comes around. You got your bat. You got the pine tar. You got your helmet on. And I'm looking around. I'm saying, Rhino, what, what's he doing? We, the score's nothing, nothing. It, both, both pitchers are pitching good. He goes, I'm telling you, he does that every game. <laughs> so, I mean, but that's a that's the heart to me. That's a very hard job. That was the only way to stay. Not it wasn't about staying sane, but it was staying locked in and and making right. sure that. What I mean, I I never will, like. I guess everyone has their biggest fears in the game. Be- biggest fear for me was being unprepared and not ready and, and surprised. Right? I mean, well, you were I, definitely prepared. So you got to prepare. <laughs> the, the thing about it is, those guys now that but even when you played, which is not that far removed. No. When you got up in the eighth inning, you're not facing anybody throwing mm-hmm. 88. They're, mm-hmm. they're throwing 99, 97, split, yep. slider. You're facing the best relievers in baseball. That even makes it more difficult. So, oh, it made it more fun. That's why, that's why it I made it more no fun. That, man. Yeah, I'm sure it was challenging. No well, because there was no and, – and I and I struggled in spring training in general. Just I there's something about it for years. I, I was just not good. Um, right. No excuses. I just wasn't good. Uh, the year I got cut from Washington after having a decent year, as far as pinch hitting, you know, being a role player, um, for an NL East champion, uh, I get the spring training. I'm like, dude, I cannot get up for these at bats because I was going from, <laughs> I was going from every at bat being eighth, nine, not, you know, ninth inning one game online game on or line. yeah. something where that and you adrenaline. Oh my God. I can't oh, replicate I it. And you came in and you're facing number in spring training number 99, not knowing where the ball's going, throwing behind you at your head, <laughs> as opposed to when you played in the big leagues, you're facing a guy that's one of the top relievers, yep. and the game's on the line. Like yeah. you said, those games in spring training, when you hit in the eighth inning, sometimes those games Oof. are 13 to one. Yeah, you know, and they're so. they're tough. They are tough. Yeah. <laughs> they are tough. Um, yeah. You know, a little bit uh, real quick before I let you go, the okay. uh, Major League Baseball. 
or Jeff Passan of ESPN comes out and uh, says that Major League Baseball and MLBPA have been discussing certain things, an isolation biodome type thing uh, in Arizona. No no fans, obviously. I mean, you have 10 spring training sites, one Major League Baseball stadium, expanded rosters. uh, Umpires would be, you know, on the bases but not behind no plate. Right. Uh, so electronic strike zone, players in the stands, not dugouts, seven inning double headers, which is the one I will agree with because I think yeah, those I are would, phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, I do too. Then they go just by in general. Too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what's your thought? I mean, both of us are gung ho about uh, baseball right. in general, but right. any uh, kind you of. You know what? <laughs> I, I, I'm all for like I'm like you. I'd love to see baseball back on the field. But to me, the most important thing right now, your priorities are a lot different. Everybody's priorities now have definitely changed. The world's different. If it's safe, and and, and we have enough brains now in, in the United States of America to say, okay, this is this looks like a go, I'm all for it. But mm-hmm. if there's any kind of doubt that this thing could keep going and going, as much as I love baseball, I, I would be hesitant. But, you know, I'm sure the commissioner of baseball – is looking into every avenue to try to get this game going, but he's also very intelligent to know that, hey, what's best for the country right now? And I think when whoever makes this decision and whenever they make it, it's going to be is what's best for the country, not, oh, we need baseball right now. We do need baseball, there's no question, but right now that's on the back burner. And hopefully, hopefully sooner rather than later we can get back to the game that you and I both love but I think the most important thing is the health of everybody in, in our country. No doubt. I, I, I think I, I've been a big proponent of not talking about dates and deadlines and right. when things could start because I, I just want people to realize that this situation is dire. And, and when is. we get to the point of, well, we're, we're, we're starting to flatten the curve. Well, you got to keep going, number yep. one. You no can't question. just let up. And no thinking about sports and all that stuff, that's letting up. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I I, I, I look back at nine eleven where I was managing the Phillies and we played Atlanta, and the fact that baseball that that was the weirdest night I've ever been mm-hmm. in, involved in baseball because nobody rooted for anybody. It was hey, baseball's back, and the fans, especially in Philadelphia, usually when you play the Braves, people get booed and everything. nobody booed. They were just out for three hours of entertainment, and you could see that we sort of started the healing process. Now, if we can do that, and again, the commissioner and the health people are going to make that decision. But if it push comes to shove, and they say this, 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 we should be able to do this, it does heal. And but nobody ever forgets what happened nine eleven, and no one's ever going to forget the summer here that or the baseball season that started off because of this virus. So. Hopefully the people that make these decisions, and I'm sure they're very intelligent, will make it and think about the rest of the country. Well, that's very well said. And the other thing that's going to be well said is uh, how's Charlie doing? I know you and him have been <laughs> communicating a lot. He's doing really good, and he's he's chomping at the bit right now. I mean, he's hey, he Bo, hey. out there. <laughs> he's hitting and everything. I mean, you guys you guys have done, like, Twitter live and, and, oh, and my goodness. See, so I'm not that good at with the electronic stuff. And I said, hey, Chuck, 
whatever you want me to do, I'll do. You make sure that, and I know Chuck's not that good either. So his <laughs> wife, Missy, and my wife, Patty, they set it up because I have no idea about this stuff, believe me. And your podcast today, I, I keep reading about podcasts and I, yeah. I really, really like them and everything. In fact, yesterday I heard uh, Josh Lewin, uh, yeah. he, they did a post- podcast of the 99 Braves versus the 80 Phillies, and it was 35 minutes. It was a condensed version. So I was sitting out on the porch, and I said, let me listen to this. <laughs> Lo and behold, two outs, bottom of the ninth, Booney at first. I was sitting off Remlinger. The score was 2-2. Two two. I hit a double and won the game, and I said, God, I'm going to start I love this podcast. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> no. it, it, it. You know what? Look, it, it's for people that are, uh, you know, looking for the sports talk. But for me, it's not even – it's about bringing the positive. Like, yep. the yep. thoughts in, in, in 50 years in the game, that's a huge positive for someone, uh, you know, to talk about and to, you know, relive and, and talk about facing Fergie Jenkins, a Hall of Famer, and yep. in his big league debut. That's what I wanted you on. And, I, I mean, you and I have this relationship where the first day I met you, I knew I was – I loved you because – we share a passion for the game. Obviously, you are a five-time All-Star, not me, uh, but, it, but it's same, amazing. But you had the same desire that you love the game of baseball. That you know, people, some people that play like it. You loved it. Mm-hmm. I loved it. It's part of our our growing up. It's part of our history of who we are. And I always said, when I quit loving the game of baseball, then I'm going to quit doing what I'm doing. I still love the game of baseball, <laughs> and I listen to your your broadcast when you're on the air. You can tell you love the game of baseball, and that's what it's all about. People that love this game, and right now we're going through a tough time, but we also know we have to get through this tough time to be able to love what we liked doing before watching baseball games. 100%. 100%, Larry Boa, and I'm ending on that one because usually I play Waffle or Not, but we've already done Waffle or Not with you. Uh, right. And my, my, my thing of, of you saying that I think is true. We just We want to get back to doing things that we love, well, we got to take care of ourselves first and, and, and the country first, so why not? I, I agree 100%, Kevin, and I appreciate this, and uh, hopefully we'll be seeing each other real soon. Absolutely. You're the man, Bo. All right, Kev, thank you. Thank you. That's Larry Boa. And if you really think about it for a second, 50 years in one game, in one thing, 50 years in life, it's a lot for some people, but 50 years in major league baseball 50 years to the day that he became a big leaguer that was special for me again i have a special bond with that man and larry boa has a special bond with philadelphia and forever will be a philadelphia phillies great larry boa thank you and to everyone stay safe flat neck Kevin Peace. Is out of here.